It's time now for super psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. Welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. This evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And today is Sunday, August 25th, and I am live again from New York City. I've been here for almost a month already, and I'm doing a show from here in New York. And Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is back in Austin, Texas, running the program from across the country. So it's it's amazing what we can do these days, and we have a great show in store for you. In fact, um, our, right after the break, our first guest will be joining us from Florida. So we're we're touching base from all around the country, and we'll be joined by author of Warrior One, a novel, to talk about her book. Um, this will be Meryl Davis Landau, and she will be talking about her book, um, Warrior One. Meryl Davis Landau will be talking about her book, Warrior One, and also about finding peace during difficult times, which is um, kind of what her book is about, even though it's a novel. So she'll be talking about that. And then later on in the program, we are launching our new series um, about eateries around the nation that we'll be doing every other week. And for this first in the series, we'll be joined by owners Brandy Hackett and Walter Greenwood of the restaurant F&B on South Padre Island, Texas. And along the way, I will be giving another little sneak peek into my book, The Passionate Life. And this time I'm going to talk about um, staying on the path through life's ups and downs when things get a little rocky and windy and sort of um, fits, I think, with uh, Merrill's topic this evening. So it kind of goes in, you know, slightly different direction, but along the same theme. And some other stuff along the way, news and things of that sort. (laughs) So throughout this evening's program, if you have any questions that you want to ask of me or any of my guests, you can call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me, and I will read them on the air to my guests. And my email address is drmara, that's D-R-M-A-R-A, at drmaracarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And if you do have any questions for my guests, um, be sure to call or email while they are still on the air so that they can answer them. And you can hear this evening's program again later if you like by going to my website and my 
um, website is Dr. Mara Cartel, C-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-T-E-L.com. And the link to the podcast along with any website links or important information will be posted later tonight. So if you miss that information, you can go to my website later tonight. You can hear the program. You can read the information. And if you want to listen to the program in as soon as five minutes after the show ends, you can go directly to blogtalkradio.com. That's B-L-O-G talkradio.com slash your golden years. And if you are interested in hearing previous programs, you can go to my website, drmaricarpel.com, and all of my previous shows that have been here on Blog Talk Radio are posted, along with information from the shows that I even did before that on local Austin radio. And you can also read my pod, my blog in Huffington Post and Ariana Huffington's Thrive Global and a few of the other places where I have posted some blogs by going to my website. You can watch videos of interviews that I've done with guests who were live in the studio, and you can find out more about my book and a lot more. So it's a one-stop shop, drmaricartel.com. You can also go directly to blogtalkradio.com to hear all of the shows, and they're all there right from the beginning, which was five and a half years ago that we started with Blog Talk Radio. So that's blogtalkradio.com slash your golden years. And for information about upcoming events, so you want to hear about next week's show, you want to find out about a blog, you want to read a blog as soon as it is posted, you want to find out about events, book signings, interviews um, that I've done on other shows, Follow me on Facebook, and that's Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years, on Facebook. And if this is the first time that you're tuning in, I'm a licensed psychologist from New York City, practicing in Austin, Texas, and in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. And I work with adults of all ages and have a specialty of working with seniors and caregivers. And for the past few years, I've also been evaluating veterans for PTSD. And if you have any questions that you want to ask me directly, if you have any comments or information that you think that I should know about, feel free to give me a call. My phone number is 512-626-6973, where you can email me at drmara at drmaracarpel.com or go through my website, drmaracarpel.com. And this program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by Dr. Ronald DeVere, neurologist, memory specialist, and author of the book, Memory Loss, Everything You Want to Know But Forget to Ask. To make an appointment with Dr. DeVere at his memory clinic in Lakeway, Texas, or to purchase a copy of his book, you can call him at 512-261-261. 7909, or you can send him an email to rdevere, that's R-D-E-V-E-R-E at austin.rr.com. And his book is also available on Amazon. And this evening's program is also sponsored by StoryHouse. StoryHouse 
gathers your stories and turns them into multimedia collections that can be shared now and for generations to come. Have Story House over to conduct a private interview in your home or invite them to your next big event or family reunion. Story House, where your memories live. Find out more at yourstoryhouse.com or call 512-296-8752. Okay, we're going to take a brief break. We're going to play a few of our sponsors' commercials. It's going to be very brief, so don't go anywhere. And when we come back, we will be joined from Florida by Meryl David Landau, author of Warrior One, a novel, and she'll be talking about finding inner peace. She'll be talking about her book and more. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. Worried about memory loss? Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist and director of Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders in Lakeway, has been helping those with dementia and memory loss for over 12 years, specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and counseling of those with memory loss and dementia. Dr. DeVere also has a book to reduce your worry and fear by knowing the fact. Memory loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. Available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Ronald DeVere, Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders center in Lakeway, and his book, Memory Loss, Everything You Want to Know But Forget to Ask. For more information or to schedule an appointment, call 512-261-7909. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. And we're back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And now joining us on the phone from Florida, Meryl David Landau, author of Warrior One. Meryl is an award-winning magazine writer, certified yoga teacher, and an author of a few books. Uh, including Warrior One, and she's joining us to talk about this book and to also talk about finding inner peace, which is somewhat related to this book, um, even though it's a novel. Welcome, Meryl. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hi. Thank you so much for being on the program this evening. How are you? I'm great. Great. (laughs) <laughs> it's a lovely Sunday evening. Is it very hot down there in Florida? It's very hot down here in Florida, yeah. Hot and muggy. Yeah. You know, I'm here in New York. I've been here for a month, and I I forget how hot it gets in Texas because I'm here. Um, but I'm heading back in a few days, and I will feel your pain. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this is not the time of year to come visit. You come down in no. the winter, but yeah, it's hot now. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to tell you I really enjoyed your book. I couldn't, you know, whenever I would start reading it at night, thinking I'm just going to read a chapter before I go to sleep. Um, I would get so involved in what was going to happen next that before long I looked at the time and it was really late and I had to go to sleep. 
so before we, we before we launch into the book, um, why don't we talk a little bit about your background? Well, um, from a writing standpoint, I'm a longtime magazine writer. I've written for most of the women's magazines, uh, Oprah Magazine, Glamour, Self, Prevention, Good Housekeeping, um, pretty much you name it, I've written for it. Um, I write a lot about health. I write a lot about holistic health um, and yoga and mindfulness, some of the topics that I especially enjoy writing about. Um, I'm also a certified yoga teacher. And I've been uh, a spiritual seeker and a practitioner of mindfulness and meditation for quite a number of years. And that's kind of how I decided to write a book um, on the topic. My first novel, which also features the same main character, Lorna, who's in Warrior One, although the two books Mm -hmm. are standalone and you can read either one, came about because I had this whole shelf of these contemporary spiritual books by Eckhart Tolle and Marianne Williamson, who's running for president now. And, uh-huh. um, you know, all, all of the um, authors that um, when you, when you go into a bookstore and you look at the kind of eclectic spiritual teachings, uh, they were all on my shelf. And then I had a whole, a whole other section of my uh, bookshelf of, women's fiction, which I love to read, just a book that, like you said, that you can stay awake at night because it's so compelling or that you can take mm-hmm. to the beach or, and that's just fun. And I just looked at my bookshelf one day and I just thought, where are the novels that put those things together? Where are the, where are the fun, you know, compelling novels that deal with these topics of finding your inner peace and using mindfulness and other spiritual tools to Mm-hmm. Stay calm and centered, which I think is important for all of us to do, and none of us do as often as we should, right? Myself included, right? That's for sure. We really need it right now. <laughs> so, um, you know, the first book I read your first book several years ago when it came out because I was doing a search on Kindle to find the exact kind of book that you just described. A fun book that was also spiritual, and your book popped up. I don't remember the key words that I used, but I might have said, like, novel and yoga, and your your first book popped up. Mm-hmm. So, right. And that, I was, really that, was called, that was called Downward Dog, Upward Fog, because it is obviously yoga is a key theme of both of my novels. As you can tell from the titles, anyone who's done yoga knows that Downward Dog is a yoga pose. And Warrior One, I spell one W-O-N, which is a play on the yoga pose, Warrior One, right. O-N-E. But, yeah, there's, right. even still, that, that book came out eight years ago, my first book. And there still really isn't or aren't any other books out there that that do what I do. There are books where yoga is a component of the book where a person does yoga or teaches yoga, but they don't go beyond the physical yoga. They're not talking about the mindfulness and the other spiritual techniques um, that form Mm -hmm. a core part of my book. Mm -hmm. So I would love to see more of them. I think other people should write these books too. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because it's, you know, sometimes it can be kind of dry reading a, you know, nonfiction book 
you want to you want to understand a character who maybe you can relate to, who's going through maybe some of the same issues that similar issues that we might face, and how the yoga, the spiritual practices help them. Um, right, thanks. and I think also with a lot of the nonfiction books, the the person who's who's writing the book sometimes makes it seem too easy or makes it seem like they have the answers and they're always able to apply these things in your own life. And then you go into your own life and you say, you know, hard as I try, I can't. And when I sit down to meditate, my mind goes crazy. Or even if I've, even if I'm great at meditating when, you know, really challenging things happen in my life, I go nuts. And I, I wanted a novel that kind of reflected that, where it was a person who was relatable. And, you know, Lorna, one thing I hear from readers all the time is, you know, they ask me, are you Lorna? Because I feel like I'm Lorna. And, you know, that's kind of what I hope, that everybody feels like they're Lorna. Because she uh-huh. she learns these techniques, she knows these techniques, she she applies these techniques, and sometimes, you know, they work for her, and sometimes she still goes crazy. So <laughs> right. that's reality. <laughs> right. So maybe you can talk a little bit about the book without giving away too much so that, you know, we don't want any spoilers, but <laughs> but maybe right. talk a little bit about this character, Lorna, and, and how the the yoga and the spiritual practices, mindfulness practices um, are applied in her life. So Lorna, um, again, was was uh, the character in my first novel, Downward Dog, Upward Fog. And in that book, she really learned what these spiritual techniques are and that there are these spiritual techniques, which is something she didn't know before um, that book, when that book got started. So in Warrior One, which again, you can read on its own, but it starts with that she already knows these practices, that she's pretty good at meditating and doing yoga and mindfulness and some of these other practices and her life is going really well. She has a great husband who she's crazy about. She has a two-year-old daughter, Lila, who's adorable. She has good friends. She has a new job. So everything seems to be going well. Um, and then uh, she's four months pregnant with her second child. And questions um, start to arise. Is there something wrong with her unborn baby from a health perspective? And so um, I wanted something in this novel uh, that was something that everybody would agree that it's it's very challenging to keep your inner peace when something like that is in your life because anybody who's had a baby knows even when everything's going wonderfully you worry if something was going to be wrong with my baby sure so if the question really does come up from a medical standpoint is there something wrong and you have to have a test And then you have to have another test and then you have to have a third test. And then you have to wait in between all of those things for the results of these tests. And then maybe your child does have it or maybe they don't. Either way, you have to learn how am I going to stay calm and peaceful during this whole process. And so that's really the underlying plot, even though the the plot from a women's fiction standpoint would seem to be, is there something wrong with her baby? Really, the plot from a from a mindfulness spiritual standpoint is can she keep her inner peace as she's waiting to discover if there's something wrong with her right. baby. And so the, in the book, she does all kinds of practices with her girlfriends, with her husband, with her daughter. They do partner yoga together with her 
with her two-year-old daughter. She does. She goes with her girlfriends. Um, they do a crystal bowl relaxation. She goes to a drum circle. So kind of all of the spiritual techniques that I personally love and use and a wide range of them because I think it's important for everybody to have a large toolbox of things that they can draw on when mm-hmm. they're trying to calm themselves, calm yourself, as opposed to just, I only do this one thing. I meditate 30 minutes in the morning. Well, then you have the whole rest of the day when you might still face challenges and go a little crazy. So there's uh, quite a lot of things that that Lorna does throughout the book that hopefully are fun and that um, you're learning, the reader is learning as they're being entertained and and, uh, compelled to see uh, what, what happens next. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I found it to be a really good reminder uh, about all of these different practices that I had once practiced at one time or another. Um, So when she was going through some real difficult times, she would, you know, do some sort of practice in terms of focusing her attention on positive or, you know, um, all, all of the different things that you described, a lot of Abraham Hicks, right, the uh, pivoting your thinking to a, a positive way of looking at it. And I was reminded, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I need to, I need to start using that more. <laughs> right. And I think a lot of the techniques are techniques that people who are interested in spiritual topics or in yoga would be familiar with. But then hopefully there's also some new ones that People are learning, oh, I didn't know about that one, and maybe right. I can do that. Like, for example, as a, as a writer, um, I was assigned an article a couple of years ago uh, about acceptance, and, acceptance as, and commitment therapy. Now, as a therapist, you're probably familiar with that, but I had never heard mm-hmm. of that before, which is basically a very Buddhist kind of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch my thoughts. I'm going to see what's making me crazy as an outsider observing that instead of you know uh-huh. getting involved in the middle of it and trying to dissect it. And I just thought that that, even though it's a psychological uh, approach, I thought it sounded, it was, it was, it had such a spiritual underpinning. And so um, that's one of the things that Lorna discovers, um, you know, as she's trying to find more techniques that help her, that you just take something that's making you crazy and sing it and just, Sing, keep on singing it because that kind of takes the power away from it. You're kind of showing yourself that it's not as important or serious as you're making it seem. So I, I kind of like the idea of introducing some new things that people might not be doing and some new books that people might not have, have read yet mm-hmm. in addition to the ones that would feel like old friends and, oh, yeah, I know that. I've done that. And, and maybe I need to be doing it more, or maybe I'd like to do right. it. And I love I love nothing more than getting emails from readers saying, I hadn't done yoga in five years, and I started again after reading your book, or uh-huh. I, I haven't haven't been meditating, or I have only been meditating a few minutes, and so I'm adding a few more minutes because I felt inspired. So I love that because you know I, I want yeah, to entertain, great. I want the book to be fun, but I do want it to also inspire people to maybe take up some things that they that they haven't done. Mhm. Mhm. So I know that you, you know, you had offered to maybe read a little excerpt from the book. Um, you know, if if you'd like to, that'd be great if you could read just a little a little piece of it so people can have a snippet of, of sure. how this book is. Mm-hmm. 
sure. So there's a sec- there's a couple there's a few paragraphs um, kind of far into the piece. It's chapter 16, but I think it kind of summarizes the overall sense of what's happening in the book. So I'll just read that. My toddler is reading a book at our kitchen table. When I finally get the call, I've been dreading the entire two weeks since we gave that blood. And then the man drinks his coffee, and then he walks out the door to go to work, and his baby waves by, Lila says, mimicking a reading cadence, describing what she sees in the pictures. Is this Lorna, the woman asks, the second I answer the phone? It is. Madison? My caller ID shows it's my midwife's office, but she doesn't sound like Sally. Yup. I shift in my chair, steadying myself to absorb what's coming. Sally wants you to see the genetic counselor. It's a woman named Mai Eng. She set up a tentative appointment for you and Don for Friday at 5. Does that work? I shift again. Obviously, there was no getting steady. You know, you have this terrible tendency to leave me hanging. I'm not going to be able to keep my blood pressure down if you don't tell me more than that she wants me to see this woman. I don't know more than that. Honest. I got a note from Sally to call you with a referral. Does she do that on purpose, I demand, only partially kidding, to give you plausible deniability? Madison chuckles, and the lighter moment downshifts my anxiety one gear. After what seems like an interminable silence, she responds, don't sweat it until you hear if there's something to sweat. Actually, if I'm remembering correctly, she adds, you would say, don't sweat it even if you do hear that. She has (laughs) me there. I'm the one who preaches keeping your inner peace, living in the moment, not worrying about things you can't control, yada, yada, yada. Another opportunity to enter the yoga mission field. But when I hang up the phone, I burst into tears. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good example of the, of the book, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> right? All the, all the, Spiritual practices keep coming back. Other people keep bringing it back to her. <laughs> right. Well, Which is, I think, all of us, stuff. right? All of us constantly yes, need that. Absolutely. Yeah. No matter how many say. techniques we know and use, we constantly need reminders. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, I know that you have written several articles as well about finding your inner peace that are nonfiction. Um, you know, you wrote one for medium, easy ways to keep your inner peace in these crazy times and for mind, body, green, what to do when your mindful practice just isn't working. And I, both of them were extremely helpful to me because I think, and I think uh, a lot of listeners can relate to this, that, you know, even if you have a mindfulness practice, um, where you sit down and you try to meditate that you, you know, if we're going through a rough time, it's very, it can be very difficult, it can be very challenging to actually meditate. Um, and there's certainly a lot of craziness going on right now. Um, so maybe, <laughs> yes. maybe you could talk about that. You know, the one thing that I absolutely appreciated in that, that, Crazy Times article was that um, that even going on a news fast, which a lot of people say, well, just turn off the news and you'll feel better, doesn't really work. So, you know, I, in fact, 
for me, if I don't watch any news for a while, I, it actually makes me a little bit more anxious because I know there are things going on, and now I don't know what they are. So, right, um, right. Or you don't know what they are, or you hear them anyway. You hear them at work. You, you hear, hear people talking about them. You hear, you go on, you go on social media just to, you know, see what your friends are up to on vacation, and right. you start seeing all the news that you're trying to avoid. So, and for me, it's. I mean, I think it can be helpful to turn down how much you consume mm-hmm. of the the craziness going on in the world. Um, but I think for me, the objective is not so much can I stick my head in the sand and not go know what's going on, as right. can I figure out ways to know what's going on and not let it make me crazy. And yeah. again, that's for me. That's where mindfulness really is such a powerful tool. Because any time throughout the day, I mean, meditation is a form of mindfulness. I'm sitting down maybe in the morning, maybe in the evening, and I'm, you know, either closing my eyes or largely closing my eyes and just bringing my awareness right, you know, to my breath or whatever. But, you know, you're not going to do that throughout the whole day. So you still have the whole day to work with. And so I Uh feel like it's very, it's very helpful to sprinkle mindfulness practices throughout your day. So one thing that I do is I have a chime app on my phone and every hour it rings and whenever it rings, that's a reminder to me. What am I, where am I? What am I noticing what's around me? Am I noticing if I'm sitting in a chair, am I noticing that the way the chair feels under my legs and the way my feet feel on the ground? Am I noticing what, what I'm smelling in the room. But, you know, a lot of times we'll even sit down to dinner, which might even smell so delicious, and we don't even smell it. So if we take a moment, uh, you know, when, when your chime goes off or, or when you sit down to eat, what does the food look like and smell like and, and what's happening in the room? What are you hearing before you actually start eating? And actually when you start eating, the food will even taste better because now you're focusing on how it tastes as well. But that's just one, you know, those are just some ways when I, when I do the dishes, every time I turn on the water, every time I brush my teeth in the morning, like set up some cues in your own mind for when I do those cues, you know, kind of the way people smoke cigarettes. When I have a cup of coffee, I think I want a cigarette. Well, the opposite right. of that is when, when I have a cup of coffee, I'm going to really pay attention to where I am and what I'm drinking and what, how it feels when I'm holding that warm cup in my hand, just to use different triggers throughout the day that you set up in advance for times that are going to be when you bring yourself back to the present moment. Because if you do that even 30 seconds or a minute periodically throughout the day, it's amazing how much more you'll notice your own mind when your mind is starting to run away from you and you are being mindful of, look at this, I'm worried about something that's not even going to happen for six months or probably not even going to happen at all. You notice that and you catch yourself doing that and then you're more likely to bring your mind back to the present moment and to a calmer place where you don't get agitated. Because really the things that make us crazy are things we're thinking about the future. You know, I'm worried that this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Or something we did in the past where we say, oh, I wish it didn't happen that way. But in the present moment, almost all the time, what's happening in the present moment is fine. So if we can bring ourselves to the present moment, if we can, you know, use any mindfulness tools, if we can do a walking meditation, which really just means paying attention when I'm walking, paying attention to how the Mm -hmm. body feels and the way the feet feel on the ground and, 
And, you know, each step, just being mindful of one step after the other step um, are just different ways of reminding yourself that you're trying to be in the present moment. And I am also a big believer in finding a community of people who also think it's important to try to become more mindful and whether that's, you know, a good yoga class. And I say a good yoga class because I think some yoga classes are really very competitive where people are just looking around uh-huh. and who can do what and I, I want to do it too. I don't think that's, that's necessarily a class that's going to facilitate mindfulness. But if it's a class where people are trying to just go inside themselves as they do yoga, as they stretch, feeling the space they're making in the body, um, that a yoga class can be good. Spiritual workshops can be great. I've been on quite a number of them. Um, I think that, you know, when you find community of people who are trying to do these things that you're trying to do, that's also very helpful. Mm-hmm. And then it's important to know that if you, you're not doing so great in the moment, you're getting crazed by what's happening in our politics or in our, <laughs> in your own life and, you know, at work or whatever, when you're getting crazy to say that, you know what, everybody gets crazed sometimes and uh-huh. that's fine. All I need, all I need to do is just take a deep breath. Breathing is another great mindfulness practice, just taking a few deep breaths and noticing the breaths coming in and out and just say, okay, I, I, I lost it, but now I can get it back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I really loved when you quoted, you wrote in one of those articles, I think it was that, that one, that crazy time article about Dr. Wayne Dyer. Um, yes when he was like really he kind of lost it and his daughter said would you want your your you know your fans to see you like this and he said yes as a matter as a matter of fact it would be good for them to see me like this. yeah he actually didn't say that i was thinking that he oh, was okay. just trying to show he was just trying to show that you know he loses it too and that he was just you know going crazy at home and his daughter said you know i bet your fans would love to see this and when right. he said that, I was thinking, you know, I think your fans would love to see that because we all go crazy. We all lose it. We all mm-hmm. scream at our kids. We all, you know, have moments when we react in ways that we're sorry about later and wish we hadn't done. And I think it's helpful to know everybody does, even, you know, somebody right. who practices mindfulness as much as Wayne Dyer. That's one of the things I love about Abraham Hicks is Esther Hicks is always talking about all the times that she loses it and she messes up and she, mm-hmm. you know, thinks, thinks of things that she doesn't want to be happening and think, you know, everybody does. And so when you do, you say, okay, everybody does it. I, I can't beat right. myself up over that. Right. Well, that's the opposite of, you know, beating yourself up is really the opposite of everything that you're trying to do. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but it's but easy yeah, to want to beat yourself up. Yeah. Right. I tried to meditate. My mind went crazy. I hear this from people all the time. I tried to meditate. My mind goes crazy the minute I sit down. So I'm a terrible meditator and I'm horrible at this. <laughs> You're defeating the purpose. The purpose is not to be beating yourself up. The purpose is to use this meditation to see how your mind keeps jumping around and the more you're able to witness it, the less it will jump around. So it's just about right. continuing to practice. Yeah, and you wrote about that in when your mindfulness practice isn't working. And, I, you know, I love that mantra, and I'm going to use it um, if, when I'm meditating, where it says, I witness that I'm out of alignment with my power, and I choose to see peace instead of this. So 
Now, that was from Gabby Bernstein, whose mm-hmm. books I love. And she's also, in Warrior One, Lorna reads a whole bunch of books. She's a kind of a spiritual book junkie like I am. Right. And um, Gabby Bernstein's The Universe Has Your Back is one of the books that Lorna reads. Um, so that's why I wrote, put that in the article. Those exact words are not in the novel, but in the article where, where Gabby Bernstein was saying, you know, I witnessed them out of alignment. And, and okay, <laughs> it happens, you know. So, I, you know, along the, those lines, you reminded me, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I first got here, so three weeks ago, um, when I first got to New York, I, I went and I took a meditation class with somebody that I heard about near in the area, and it was mindfulness meditation, and he just, he turned off the lights and rang the bell, and I I heard that it was only 20 minutes we were meditating. I really thought I was meditating for 45 minutes or an hour. <laughs> six so hours. Endless. <laughs> or six hours, yeah. So mm-hmm. I noticed probably about halfway through or longer that I hadn't been my I hadn't been focused at all. I hadn't been mindful. I had been thinking about what I was going to do now that I'm here and what I needed to do to help my mom. And my mind was like all over the place. And then I sort of, and then I, when I had that awareness that I was doing that, it was actually sort of, I, I kind of chuckled to myself and um, I was like, okay, well, you know, you're just telling yourself stories and, um, now let's go back to meditation. And I felt like after I noticed all of that, the last few minutes of however much time was left, I actually was able to feel really calm and mindful. So it was like when I labeled it, like you like you just said, rather than getting upset about it, I just kind of laughed at it. I was able to, I was able to bring myself back to mindfulness. And when you're doing a meditation, the moment you notice that you're out of alignment, which is what you did, notice that I'm not being in the present moment, I'm thinking about things. That's fantastic. That's, that's the objective. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. how long it took you to get there. You got there. You noticed. Oh, right. look at this. I'm not in the present moment. I'm thinking other thoughts. How much of the day do we just think those thoughts without even noticing that we're thinking the thoughts? You know, in, in, in some forms of meditation, when people notice their thinking, they just say to themselves, thinking, because we don't even notice right. that we're thinking. We just think. We get caught up in the thought, and we're planning a party, and we're buying, what are we going to buy for dinner, and what am I doing for work tomorrow? And we don't even notice that we're thinking. So in a mindfulness meditation, if, if you noticed that you were thinking, you did the work. That was perfect. Right, right. And it actually, it actually kind of made me laugh, which was like, I think in the past I would have gotten frustrated, but I think maybe because of the lecture ahead of time or whatever it was, I was able to just kind of laugh about it and, you know, bring myself back. And I think that we think that, oh, everybody else sits down to do a meditation and they immediately can focus on their breath and they never have a thought. And that's not the world everybody's mind can jump around and the objective is just to try to see if you can catch it when it's jumping around and notice that. Mm -hmm. Right. Everybody, everybody does that. 
Right. Yeah, and I, I think that's really good for people to know um, that there's no wrong way to meditate. Nobody, there is no, no such thing as a terrible meditator. <laughs> right. No, right. And the more you do it, the more, you know, when you sit down, the more times you'll notice, oh, I'm thinking. I'm going to bring myself back to the breath now. And then maybe it's five minutes, maybe it's two minutes, maybe it's 90% of the meditation. Oh, I'm thinking. The moment you notice that you're thinking, you've done your job. You've done the work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't right. have to be silent the whole 30 minutes or however long it is without a thought in your head. That's, that's never going to happen. And, you know, and I think it brings us back to what you were talking about earlier where you label what you're thinking about, right? And you were talking about noticing how you feel and really um, being focused on that. Um, it takes away the power. So right. even if you don't have what people imagine meditation to be, where they feel completely relaxed without a care in the world, even if that's not, your experience in meditation, if your experience is that you notice what you're thinking about and you're able to separate yourself from the thought, that you're you're the thinker, you're not the thought, then that, you know, then you've succeeded. That's, right, that's the that's, whole purpose of meditation, to notice that right. you're the thinker and not the thought. Because so much of our thoughts throughout the day are thoughts that we can dispose of if we recognize that we're thinking them. Even Lorna, who's faced in the novel with, is there something wrong with our unborn baby, has a lot of thoughts that are not about what's actually happening. They're thoughts about what she's worried about or what might happen or what might that mean and what will that look like. And if you can notice that you're thinking those thoughts, you can eventually distance yourself from them and not think them as often and they're thoughts that don't serve you the only thoughts that serve you is what's happening right now and is there something I can actually do about it and if not I'm going to let it go right right and I think that's a really good point what can I do about it so I think you know it's not about just um, you know putting your head in the sand as you said or leaving this world this this worldly world and you know going off and do you know ignoring everything that's going on in the world but actually being mindful enough to problem solve without your emotions causing you to have difficulty figuring out solutions um, to any problems that can be dealt with right right and you'll be a much better problem solver if you're not creating mm-hmm. all of these things that you're worried about that are not actually going to happen. If you're just more right. clear-eyed looking at, okay, what actually is happening right now? Uh, uh, one of the teachers that um, Lorna uh, focuses on in, in the book is uh, Byron Katie, whose, whose uh, teachings are the work. And mm-hmm. she has questions that you ask yourself, you know, what is actually true? <laughs> not what, you know, am I pretending maybe is going to happen, but what is actually happening that is true, that is happening right now. And 90% of the time what's happening is I'm just sitting here. I'm not, you know, <laughs> we're not in a war zone. We're not, you know, nothing horrible is happening to us at this moment. It's where our mind is just jumping around to things that we think are terrible. 
So if you can just remember that, you know, the things that are actually happening, then you get more clear-eyed about, okay, what are these things and what can I actually do about them? And in many cases, there are things you can do and then you should do them. Even even if the political situation is making you crazy, well, then you can say, okay, then I want to, you know, help people vote or, you know, make sure that the message that I'm interested in is getting out there. There are things you can do that are not, I'm just going crazy because politics is so messed up in this country. That doesn't serve Yeah, I think that's really important. I think that's really an important point that people can do things and people can actually be part of the solution, but you can't do that if you let yourself just totally get emotionally crazy about it. Exactly. So it, it's hard not to, certainly not <laughs> criticizing anybody who feels that way, but there are things that we can do, as you point out, to get ourselves back to a more centered place so that we can be more clear-eyed. That's, that's really important. Right, so, exactly. So, Meryl, if people are interested in reading your books um, or, or your articles, um, how can they do that? How can they get some of your tips uh, and read your books and, and all of that? So my website does have a link to many of my articles, and that would be my full name, Meryl Davids Landau.com. And also, obviously, my books, uh, Warrior One and Downward Dog, Upper Fog, are on Amazon, Warrior One, spelled mm-hmm. W-O-N. Um, or in bookstores, independent bookstores. We've got to support our independent bookstores if we want to keep them in business. So um, I encourage people to buy books that way as well. Okay. All right. So I'm going to post your um, your website on my post on my website about this show later this evening. So if people um, didn't get to write it down, um, if they missed this, then they can go to my website later tonight and they'll be able to just click on it and it'll take them right to your page. Um, Perfect. So that they can, yeah. So, you know, the articles have a lot of great um, tips for that are really useful for us right now. <laughs> and the books are very enjoyable. So that, So, yeah, I recommend people do that. And and thank you so much, Meryl, for coming on the show. When do you think the next book is coming out in the series? Yeah. <laughs> I am starting to think about the next book, but uh, it'll probably be a couple of years. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> I just want to hear what happens next. a long time to write a book. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, but I'm looking forward to hearing what happens next on Lorna's journey. So, <laughs> Okay, sounds good. So, yeah, well, you have a very good evening, and thank you again for being on the program. Thank you. Enjoy New York. All right, thanks. Have a good night. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Um, We have a lot more to come, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. 
There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaracarpell.com. And we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And so before I go on to talk about um, staying on the path in spite of the twists and turns and ups and downs through life, um, and also before we get to speak with the owners of F&D Restaurant on South Padre Island. I just want to fill you in on a little bit of news. Um, So I'm still in New York. As I mentioned, I will be heading back to Texas on Wednesday. And um, as I mentioned during the last show two weeks ago when we were live, um, during the time here, it hasn't all been vacation. I've done a few things related to the program, and I met with Heather Ashamara, who's been on the show several times, and we discussed her latest book that will be coming out at the beginning of the year, and, and we're um, scheduling a time for her to come back on the program early in 2020. And we had a very nice meeting in Woodstock, New York. And I also met with the Sisters of Charity, um, Sister Carol D'Angelo, who is one of the sisters who's very busy with working with immigrants and asylum seekers, as well as stopping human trafficking and helping the homeless. And um, we talked about having her back on the program. She introduced me to some other sisters who are working around the country from different orders in um, these various issues. And I met with the director of the um, convent, which is now a um, retirement home for, for, for the sisters. And I will be giving a keynote there, giving a talk with them. Um, we're just working out the details about men. So I'm really looking forward to them. They're a very active, enthusiastic group of nuns. And um, if you have any, um, you know, interest in all of the different activities that they're doing, they have a Facebook page, um, Sisters of Charity of New York. So it's um, I don't know about the other sisters of charity around the country, but the ones in New York are the ones that, uh, that I know that are very involved in in these issues. Um, also went to the Berkshires, went to Massachusetts and Vermont last weekend for a little R&R. It was absolutely beautiful, and um, it reminded me that it's really, really important to change our scenery sometimes and to just 
get to a different, go to a different place, different weather. It was cool. Um, there were mountains, and it just, it, you know, um, things that seem really, really important and and distressing in our lives really um, sort of dissolve, or they, you have a different perspective about them when you have a chance to. Um, change your scenery. So if you have the chance to change your scenery or get out in nature in any way that you can, just being out, being able to be in weather where it wasn't so hot, where I could actually walk around and and see beautiful um, nature and the Hudson River all the way up to Albany. I took the train to Albany and then drove to the Berkshires. It just, you know, being in nature is just um, so healing and um, definitely puts things into perspective. I also had a chance to go to Syracuse University, which was my alma mater for graduate school. That's where I got my master's and my PhD um, many years ago. I have not been back to visit in a very long time, and so it was really it was really fun to just go and see the campus again, and I got to see the tree that bears 40 stone fruit. So it's the original one. Um, there are several now around the country, and apparently there's one not too far from where I am here in New York, so I could have gone there, but I really wanted to see the original one on the campus. And um, I believe I posted some pictures. I will post some more on Facebook on my Dr. Maricar, tell your golden years. Uh, right now, it's not in bloom. I think the springtime is when it's absolutely spectacular. Um, but throughout the year, except of course winter in Syracuse, um, it it bears different fruits. So in Syracuse, winter it doesn't bear any fruit. But right now, it was um, plums are in season. So there was a little piece of the tree that was bearing plums and the rest of the tree had different colored leaves some were still green some had turned brown because this tree is a tree that has been grafted to to have 40 different types of fruit trees all in one tree so they they all come into season at different times um, throughout growing season and in the spring when they blossom they're different colors on different parts of the tree. And it was um, created by a uh, professor at Syracuse University who is an art professor. And he created this as a living um, sculpture so that it grows and, and it changes every year and throughout the year. And um, as I said, it, the, he's, done it throughout the country and they're all um, catalogs so you know which tree is where and um, I watched a little video about it and um, at the beginning he just sort of grafted these together without thinking about how you know which fruit was on which part of the tree and so he discovered that um, half of the tree the leaves would die the other half is still alive and it looked kind of funny. So now he uh, mapped it so that um, he has live leaves all around the tree during the months when when leaves grow. <laughs> um, 
as I said, in Syracuse, the climate is so cold in the winter that, you know, there's, there are several months where the whole tree is, is dormant. But um, he has, he mapped it so that he knows where the different fruit are coming out and it kind of winds around the tree. And it's really pretty interesting. So I got to see that and I took a picture of it. And um, some people had no idea what I was talking about when I asked about it. But when I went to the office on top of the bookstore, um, at Syracuse University, I told one of the women in the office that I was looking for this tree. I believe she's an administrator. She became very excited and told me exactly where I could find it. Um, so I got to see that. And um, I originally heard about this on NPR in the car. And so I got to see it. Um, as far as any other news, um, I was interviewed, Carrie Hummingbird was on my show on um, August 11th, and she interviewed me the week before for her show, and she launched it last Sunday, August 18th, and now that's audio and video, so you can watch that interview, and it's on my Facebook page, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years, and I will be sure, you know, being away, it's hard to keep up with everything, but I will be posting it on my website so that you can watch the interview. And it was, it was a good um, hour-long interview, and, and she asked some really great questions, and um, I think that you'll enjoy it. So I recommend her show is great. So I recommend that you, that you take a look at that. It's called The Soul Nectar Show. So you can also look that up and you can find the interview that I did. I will be doing a keynote um, address at the Unity Church in Brownsville in October. And I have some other keynotes that I'm working on at this moment to set up. So I will, I will let you know when those are and which of the ones are public. So if you're in the area, you can come and hear. Okay, so in a few minutes I have before... Um, the owners of F&B um, come on to the show to talk about their restaurant. I want to talk about staying on track. And so I think that this month away, being in a completely different environment than, you know, I come here about four times a year to visit my mom, and I feel very lucky to be able to do that. And um, I feel really lucky that I was able to work it out to be here for a whole month. Um, but being here sort of in some ways gets me off track because it's not my usual routine and um, there's a lot going on aside from like all the fun (laughs) going out and having you know seeing friends and um, seeing beautiful nature I'm also here with my mom who's 90 and um, when I'm here at her place which I've been you know here on and off for like a week at a time I stayed three days went away came back for a week went away now I'm back um it'll be a week by the time I leave here um I'm I'm living in the guest apartment in this senior community um and you know she's 90 years old she's in the assisted living portion and she needs a lot of assistance and um Being here in person makes it easy. You know, I speak to her every day when I'm away, but being here in person and being here 24 
hours a day, I'm able to really see what's going on and, and get involved in, in problem solving and trying to help her with things that she kind of saves up for when I'm here. Um, sometimes there are issues that come up with caregivers, you know, um, helping my mom that maybe things aren't going right and I have to sort of step in. So it's great, but it also takes me away from my own path um, if I look at it like that. So um, one of the um, realizations that I had since I've been here and I started feeling like, well, I don't have time to write. I'm a little bit behind in, you know, posting things on my website, as I mentioned, and keeping up with the show and, um, you know, all of that. Um, I, I, re- I had a realization that my experience here with my mom um, is part of that journey. So I understand that people who are 24-7 caregivers and they don't, they aren't leaving soon and they have their, their loved one living with them, it's a different story because um, they don't really, they, they can't see it as this little time capsule where they, they can then go back and, and write about it or talk about it. So, um, so I understand that, but I do also believe that whatever situation we're in is part of our journey and we can use it as fodder for whatever we're working on. So, um, so I had to find ways of the past few weeks to um, give myself time to to work on my stuff. And it may be five minutes here, ten minutes there, sort of worked out the routine. I know my mom's routine, so I can kind of work on it in the evening, um, take a break. I've, you know, it's really, really important to take care of my health, so I made a point of, you know, walking on the treadmill and using their gym here while she was at lunch, for example, um, and and I and also um, being open to whatever is, and so I've talked about that a lot. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned that I had read Michael Singer's book, The Untethered Soul, and one of the things that he talks about is just um, opening your heart to whatever happens um, rather than trying to resist. Because if we resist and we use our energy um, to resist what's happening around us, then we're, then we're really drained because we can't change what is. We can problem solve, as we just spoke about with Meryl, David, um, we can we can problem solve. We can think about what we can do to to be part of the solution, but we can't change the way it is at this moment. We can change it the next moment. We can come up with a plan, and we can't really do that unless we find a way to have peace. And so, constantly resisting, closing our heart constricting our heart to what is 
takes away our energy and our ability to do that. So it's really important if we want to stay on our path with following our own passion and our dreams, then we really have to be open to what's happening around us. We, we have to open our heart. We have to conserve that energy rather than using it up fighting what's around us. And, and one of the things um, that Michael Singer writes is that if we just keep opening and not closing, then we can affect our health and our energy flow. We can, um, we can prevent illness that way because a lot of illness comes about from the stress of resisting what is. Um, and when we're open, we bring more energy into our system and it can heal us physically. It can also heal us emotionally that we're, you know, we're not trying to fight it. We're, we see it for what it is. And that was one of the things that Meryl talked about. So I'm really glad that she brought that up, just labeling what you're going through and really being with it and knowing how you feel. Um, it takes away that, that the power of these events over you, that you can be in control of your inner peace. You can have inner peace even when things aren't going the way that you planned. And that was the other thing I noticed was, you know, I had all these plans for what I was going to do in this month. And during this time, I was going to work on this and write that. And things didn't go the way I planned, but they never do go the way that you plan. And if you freak out because things aren't going the way that you planned, then you spoil the gifts that are there for you and what, what is there and how things are going and so being flexible and kind of going with the flow is really really important in everything in everything that we do and so this has been a good exercise in that because not everything went exactly how I planned but I was able to like stop myself from getting upset about it or feeling Oh no, I didn't do this or I was it was supposed to be like that and just go with the flow and look at the situation and ask myself what can I um do in this situation? What can I get from it? What gifts are here for me? How can I use this to propel myself along this path? Um how can I use it to, even if I'm not feeling particularly creative in the moment because it's just there isn't much time to be creative, how can I store this away <laughs> in my mind and in my, you know, um, in my memory banks to then use it later as something um, that I can be creative about, that I can use this to help other caregivers because I know I know what it's like to be a caregiver because I'm here. Um, and rather than struggling and trying to have everything exactly the way that I want it, if I give that up, then then I have more energy to be more creative. Um, 
You know, Michael Singer writes about that as well. He says, stop and think about what you're capable of achieving. Up to now, your capacities have been constrained by constant inner struggle. Imagine what would happen if your awareness was free to focus only on the events actually taking place. You would have no noise going on inside. And if you lived like this, you could do anything. Your capabilities would be exponential compared to what you're, you've experienced. So if we give up that inner struggle of everything, the path that we're on, no matter what's going on in our life, um, if it change, if the path has its ups and downs and winds and turns in different directions that we didn't expect, but we're open to it all, and we don't try to struggle with it, imagine the energy that you could, that you would have to be able to use that, use those winding roads. So I wrote about that in my book, The Passionate Life, that everything that has happened in my life, every wonderful, amazing thing that has happened in my life happened through an unexpected turn. They were not things that I had planned out. Having this radio show was not something that I planned. Writing a book was just a thought I had a long time ago and sort of gave it up, didn't really think about it until it was right there in front of me, um, the opportunity to work with a, a wonderful writing coach. Um, and I just went with it. So at first, of course, I had that hesitation, oh, no, can I really write a book? Or, oh, no, me on the radio? Um, but then I overcame that. I did it anyway, even though I felt fear about it, even though it was a struggle. There was a learning curve in all of this. And when I started the show, when I started writing, I, I, you know, I rewrote everything that I, that I had written at the beginning. Um, but I did it anyway. And just allowed it to be. I met all kinds of people along the way, even through the darkest of times and the most difficult times in my life. Um, I had opportunities to meet people who led me to wonderful opportunities, you know, things in my life. So, um, if you if you see it all as part of your journey then you don't actually get knocked off track. The whole idea, though, and I think the the point that um, Meryl brought up that's really important is bringing ourselves back to that state of inner peace. So it's okay to get, you know, to feel agitated. It's human to, to become upset, but let's not live in that state of upsetness for too long and find a way to get us ourselves back to a point where we can um, take a look around us and, and ask ourselves, okay, now what? what? What can I do? How can I proceed? Um, what opportunity is in front of me? What is the world showing me? What gifts are in front of me? Or what problem do I have to solve? Or can I be part of the solution? Um, so, that is the important part, not, not trying to stay on a straight and narrow course, but finding our 
inner peace when we start to lose that. Um, so, you know, and I wrote, I have a chapter with some tips about how to get back, how to find that inner peace, how to be able to maintain our peace even when the the track is windy, which it will be. And one of them is relaxation and mindfulness meditation, which Meryl spoke about. Another is exercising. That's really important. And I found since I've been here, um, as I've exercised every day and worked on the treadmill, it's really helped me to stay calm through some of the more difficult situations. Communing with nature, which I just spoke about before, is really, really helpful. Laughter, having a sense of humor about what's going on is a great way to break some of that tension. Um, And feeling grateful, feeling grateful for what you have. Because if if you don't have gratitude for what you have, then you're always in a state of desperation and you're trying to fill a hole rather than um, feeling inspired to go forward and um, along your path, that you feel desperate to make a change rather than um, that inspiration and joy in the journey. So I'll end that there. There are several tips in the book, and I'll get to more of them on future shows, and I have already spoken about some of them in the past. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be joined by Brandy Hackett and Walter Greenwood, who are the owners of the restaurant F&B on South Padre Island for the launch of our new series on eateries around the nation. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com. 
and on drmaricorpel.com. And now joining us on the phone from South Padre Island, we We have the owners of F&B Restaurant on South Padre Island, Brandy Hackett and Walter Greenwood, who are helping us launch our new series on eateries around the nation. So welcome, Brandy and Walter. Hi, Dr. Mara. How are you? I'm okay. How are things on South Padre Island? Everything's going great. Thanks for having us on today. Thank you for joining us. Um, you know, you are the first in our series on eateries around the nation. And um, yeah, I wanted to mention that, you know, I had the um, opportunity to enjoy the food at your restaurant in June. Um, Yeah. I really enjoyed it. It was right after I had done uh, uh, one of my first keynote beaches that was on South Padre Island and we went there, Art and I went there to celebrate and it was the perfect place for a celebration so um, well, it, was, it was great having you and you know, it means a lot to hear that yeah so so before we talk about the restaurant maybe you can, both of you can talk a little bit about your backgrounds and, and um, how you got into food <laughs> Yeah, um, I'll start. I um, I was very young. I was very lucky. I got a I started with a very prominent restaurant group in Las Vegas, um, the Wolfgang Puck Fine Dining Group, and I started as a hostess. And then as soon as I turned 21, I started serving and started bartending and just fell in love with every aspect of the restaurant world. It's, you know, you start learning so much about food and wine and beverage and service, and it's you know it, it kind of sucks you in a little bit so I, I knew about when I was about 21 that I was going to be in restaurants for the rest of my life and um, that the Wolfgang Fine Dining Group was great it was like a little university all on its own I mean anything you wanted to learn about you know you, you had the opportunity and I, I took full advantage of that and, and studied and worked very hard for them and um, after I did leave them for a little bit and went to join the um, Win Group um, for Chef Paul Bartolota at um, at Bartolota and and then mm-hmm. that was a whole other world of Italian seafood and Italian wines and the Mediterranean and fish and things so many different species of things I would never been introduced before so that was an awesome learning experience and that's where Chef Walter and I actually met um, and then we moved and we actually went to open up a 12,000 square foot restaurant in Santa Monica for a, a big company outside in Japan and um, that was awesome too and then we made the move back here to South Padre Island. Okay. Okay. And what about you, Walter? So my background, I actually was born in Texas. I lived in South Padre in the early 90s, from 90 to 93, um, and then grew up in South Florida. And I started cooking after college. Um, I started cooking in New Orleans at the same Commander's Palace restaurant. Um, great city, you know, honestly, it was my first job as a, this is my first place as a cook was Commander's Palace, you know, probably in over my head. <laughs> and uh, uh-huh. I told myself, you know, I'm going to go for it, going to work for the best. And, um, you know, after leaving Commander's, got a shot at my first uh, sous chef. Um, my sous chef is basically the right hand of the chef. I'm um, at a restaurant in New Orleans called Salou Restaurant. 
uh, which I worked at for about two years. Um, and then I got a job offer in Las Vegas. You know, and at this time I was about 20, I'll say I was 22 years old. Um, you know, no really ties to New Orleans, not family-wise. Or, you know, I, I moved there just for work. So I said, you know, Vegas sounds like a fun place to go move to. And what a right. great opportunity, right? So, uh-huh. um, yeah, went over to Vegas and um, actually had to do a tasting for the Wynn Hotel. And it was a six-course tasting. At this point, I wasn't sure exactly where I was going to land. Um, so I walk in there, you know, a little intimidated, for sure. Uh, there's about six different executive chefs there from the hotel. And here I am, you know, 22 years old, you know, coming in from uh, New Orleans. They gave them this tasting menu. And, you know, they loved everything. They actually offered me an executive chef position there. Um, but it was for their more casual eatery in the hotel. And they said, you're going to be the youngest chef in history at the Wynn Las Vegas. And I, I turned the job down. I turned it down. And I said, there's uh-huh. only one restaurant I, I want to work for. And that's Bartolotta, um Restaurant de Mare. Um, at the time, I know for James Beard, it was the uh, best new restaurant in the United States. Mm-hmm. And... We had over like 50 species of seafood on hand at any given time. So wow. luckily, somehow the stars align. Well, you know, they tell me, well, job has not been open in management there for seven years. I said, okay, that's a shame to hear. Sure enough, <laughs> 40, 48 hours later, I get a phone call from the executive sous chef of the hotel. He says, Walter, you're never going to believe this. A spot just opened up. And, um, wow. you know, that's where, yep, it was just the stars aligned with perfect timing. Um, and that's where I met Brandy. Brandy was the uh, AGM, our assistant general manager there at the time. I came in at sous chef position level. Um, yeah, we worked together for about two years, you know, um, at that location. We were not in a relationship at the time, just, uh, you know, professional coworkers. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was at that job where I really – got a grasp on the fine dining scene, um, you know, fell in love with it, and just haven't really looked back since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so when did the two of you open F&B? F&B, we opened, we are about a year and two months in, and uh, we just got done with our busy season over here. Summer here is, um, you know, it, it's a population of the island. I, what do you cut think, in, it's cut in to about a fourth of what it is during. I would say more than that, yeah. But it's uh, it's been it's been hectic. You know, Labor Day coming up is going to be really busy, and things will die off during the winter. Um, but it's been it's been good. A lot of good feedback. You know, we we're actually on a wait Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. Our first year being open. Um, it, it's wow. cuisine wise. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. You know, cuisine wise is a little different than what you see here. We're we're definitely bringing more classical uh, French techniques when it comes to the food, um, which, like I said, you don't really see a lot around here. So it was a little bit of a gamble, you know, like any business mm-hmm. startup, you know. It's, but um, it's gone over well. We are here to stay, you know, to say the least, and look great. forward to uh, expanding, you know. Oh, great. Yeah. That's great. So, um So do you have any, like, 
crowd pleasing favorite? What are what do you what are the dishes that you say that most people tend to order? One of our one of our definitely our most popular ones is going to be our ravioli al lovo, which is going to be a house made ravioli that we do with an egg yolk in the middle, and we cut it open table side. Um, so that's always really fun. That's definitely one of our more popular dishes here for appetizers. But our ceviche, oh my god, it's like it, it's kind of changed the ceviche on the island a little bit. It's more tropical. We've added some coconut to it and things like that. And that's just and I'll let Walter tell a little more about it. But those are two that are just you, you have to have them when you're here, appetizer wise. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, okay. You know, coming down down here, every single restaurant has a ceviche. So in my mind, you know, every day we come into work, it's how can we elevate. Um, the cuisine or the beverage scene. So, you know, with this one, we're actually serving this out of a hollow coconut shell. The, the seafood mm. changes about every other day, just depending on what we have on hand. It could be a different bridal of fish or shrimp. Um, and, yeah, it's just actually the plate when it comes out. You can probably see it on our, you can follow us on our Instagram or Facebook. Um, the plate's set up like a beach where it has uh, edible sand and uh, seashells, and then you have your oh, wow. up that. Um, but yeah, I mean, from that we have live fire as well in the kitchen. So our steaks have been um, a hit, a, a real hit. <laughs> we we uh, you know we outsource most of our meat from Texas, of course. We got some great ranches out here. Um, uh-huh. So we're 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 really lucky. And um, I did install a, a live fire grill in the kitchen. I think it's very important. Um, you know, for flavor, you know, you pick up the, the smokiness onto the meat um, versus using an electric grill. You know, it was definitely a little bit of a hassle. We had to work with the fire department. Um, we were under construction, actually, to make uh-huh. sure it was under code. Um, but, you know, everything we did from start to finish, you know, with construction here was to, you know, make sure that we were supporting the food, and we have the correct equipment to actually, you know, make memories for others um, through what mm-hmm. we do. Right, right. Okay. So, so let me ask you, Chef Walter, <laughs> do you have any dishes that are your favorite to create? I would, I would have to say pasta. You know, it's, who doesn't love pasta, right? But uh-huh. um, there's so many, there's so many different types. And, um, you know, uh, not just the different types of pastas that you can make, but uh, the sauces that go with them. It's just, it's endless. Mm. So we have started, um, currently we were building upon our pasta program um, to where we're going to have, you know, this upcoming month, hopefully three different types of fresh pasta on our menu, homemade, daily. You know, these things, um, a lot of them don't carry over to the next day. So mm-hmm. it's every single morning, you know, we're in here and we're rolling out the dough fresh. Um, you know, it's a, it's a scratch kitchen. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I honestly enjoy making every, a little bit of everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, of, and fish. And of, yeah, and, of course, seafood. You know, living here on the Gulf, um, we get, you know, on an island for that matter. You know, we get our hands on some awesome products and um, – you know, a lot of restaurants down here or in the South in general, you know, they'll throw a bunch of, you know, seasoning, like blackened seasoning, Emerald Lagasse style, um, which is delicious. But over here, we're really letting the, the protein or the vegetable, you know, speak for itself a little bit more. 
um, mm-hmm. you know, through different mm-hmm. techniques. Right. Right. A little different than everything else that's on the island. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. A little, bit. <laughs> a little it's actually a little mix. You know, it's it's funny. It's it's been an interesting journey, you know, starting out in New Orleans and going to Vegas and you know, we were in California for a couple of years. Um I was a chef of uh the polo lounge at the Beverly Hills Hotel. And over there, you know, we work with um a lot of the farms and um for them, you know, I'd say in California, we're not using that much spice. It's more just letting the ingredients stand for itself. So, you know, what we're doing mm-hmm. here, it's, it's, a little, it's a little mix of that, you know, southern flair with the, um, you know, handling our products a little bit more delicately. And that's right. one, one, great, one great thing about um, South Texas that we were really not very aware of until we got down here is the produce scene, and it's, it's amazing. Mm. I mean, the tomatoes and the citrus and everything that we can get, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So we definitely are microgreens, everything, you know, as local as possible, and it, everything grows year-round here. So we're very, very fortunate right. to take advantage of that a lot. Oh, so. yeah. Everything grows in South Texas really well. So that's it's, great. It's amazing. It does. And it's, it's, you know, it's salty here, salty air here, too. So you'll notice also in your um, some of the produce you get, if it's out of Bayview or, you know, McGowan, these places, um, it's funny. It's kind of like the, the, the vegetables almost been seasoned already sometimes mm-hmm. and just cause the salt content huh. in the air. Um, it's very interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. So, so if people are interested in taking a trip down to South Padre Island or they live in the area, um, to come eat at your place, how can they find out about, F&B and make reservations or look at some of those pictures of the food or see your menu? Um, what, what are the best place, ways that they can do that? Definitely through Facebook. Um, definitely through Facebook, Instagram. Those are big for us. We, we try to post as much as we possibly can. It's been a little hectic this summer, so we've kind of neglected, but we'll definitely be getting back on that. Um, our website, too, which is fnbsci.com, so people can um, – we always have our menu, photos, everything up there. Um, and we do send out emails, so if you want to join our email list, we will, you know, we'll send email blasts out when we're doing anything new, any menu changes, any events that we're hosting. Um, so, yeah, Instagram, Facebook, and then our website are going to be the best, best ways to find us. So is FNB spelled out at the, the and, F-N-B? Yes, yeah, so sir. We use an ampersand. It's actually F okay. ampersand B. Um, it simply stands for food and beverage. And mm-hmm. you know, even though we are a fine dining restaurant, but as the you know, we really want to grasp you know the the island culture. You know, and in my mind, there's no reason why you should have to. You know, if you want say caviar or a nice steak, you know, normally you're going to be in a button down or a suit, you know, especially in cities like Vegas or Houston or Los Angeles, New York city. Um, but over here, you know, we say we embrace it. Come in and flip flops, you know, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Jeans, flip flops, a button down shirt, and you can enjoy some caviar. You know, you, you know, we're going to be having black truffles coming in um, from, from France actually coming in soon. Nice. And so that's been fun. It, it's very rare that um, I think in the United States or around the world for that matter to where you can actually go and dine, dress casual, and be able to enjoy 
um, you know, a really nice bottle of wine or, um, you know, these elevated dishes using some of the best products around the world. I think that's right. one, of the, one of the best things. We'll have people walk into the door and they'll be like, oh, my God, are we underdressed? And we're like, no, no, not at all. And then on their way out, they'll tell us what a phenomenal experience they had. And, you know, yeah, we're, it, there is no underdressed here. We're, we're, we're awesome. island casual. Yeah. Island long as, casual. Yeah. I like that. I like that. <laughs> well, so just wipe the sand so... off your feet. That's all we ask before you walk. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the program, and I look forward to coming back and enjoying your food again. Um, I enjoyed it. I found it, you know, a wonderful experience. So I'll be back. Well, we look, we look forward to having you back in the studio that I went out with here. Yes. Yes. Um, and we'll definitely have some new and exciting dishes. I know uh, we're changing the menu up roughly every month and a half or so, about every 45 days. So next time we see you, you have something new to try. Great. Great. I look forward to it. And and you have a wonderful night. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. All right. We'll Thank see you, you soon. Have a great night. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye now. Okay, so we've come to the end of another program, and before Art cuts me off the air, let me just let you know what's happening in the next couple of weeks. Next Sunday is Labor Day weekend, September 1st, so we'll be playing an encore of our awesome show with Carrie Hummingbird and Cass Clayton. That was a really great show that we did a couple of weeks ago, so that'll be next Sunday. And then the following Sunday, September 8th, we'll be back, and I will be back live in Austin, Texas, once again. And we'll be joined by Dr. R. Keith McCormick, who was on the show way back in 2013, and he'll be joining us from Massachusetts. Um, He's the author of the book, The Whole Body Approach to Osteoporosis, How to Improve Bone Strength and Reduce Your Fracture Risk. And it's all all how to do that naturally. So um, I think that that's a really, really important topic. And also musician Brett Marshall will be with us uh, once again from South Padre Island, of all places. And more. We always have more. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and get the website links that my guests spoke about on the program, uh, listen to previous shows. Uh, read my blog, all of that. Go to my website, drmarakarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And also be follow, be sure to follow me on Facebook for upcoming information. So Dr. Mara Carpel, your golden years. And you can also listen to this evening's program five minutes from now by going directly to Blog Talk Radio, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com slash your golden years. This evening's program was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by neurologist and memory specialist Dr. Ronald Devere and by Storyhouse. And special thanks to my guests, Meryl David Landau, Brandy Hackett, and Walter Greenwood of F&B Restaurant. And of course, thank you to Art, and thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night, an inspiring couple of weeks, a wonderful Labor Day weekend. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone.